Peace to you, brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our sermon is James chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. So submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be changed into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Do not speak against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother is speaking against the law and judging the law. But if you judge the law, you are, you are not one who does the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge. He is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the word of our Lord. It's funny how Christians in their sinful nature can start competing for spiritual gifts and think things like, I speak in tongues. Aren't I a wonderful Christian, more Christian than you? But it rarely occurs to them to argue over crosses. I bear heavier crosses than you. And yet Jesus never promised that if you're going to follow him, you're going to speak in tongues. But he promises that you will bear crosses. And let's admit it, we are living in tumultuous times. For a Christian, it can be quite a cross with COVID-19 to be wearing a mask, or maybe they belong to a congregation where they think if you're not wearing a mask, you're not believing in God. And we have problems where a lot of people are seeing a complaint that the police were racist and a defunding of the police, and all of a sudden, a, a, just a tremendous increase in crime. We have problems going on around the world. These, once again, and, and people see them more than once in their lives, are tumultuous times. We often forget, though, that, for example, with crosses and things like that, God is testing us. Now, when God tests us, he knows everything. So the test isn't for him. It's to show us where our faith is strong and where it's weak, where it's not trusting in him. And so we are going to apply today's text to our tumultuous times, and we'll ask are you being Christian during these tumultuous times? And our text begins literally saying, therefore, place yourselves under God, resist the devil, and he will flee away from you. We usually translate that submit, but political correctness today has made the word submission something like voluntarily be a slave. And that's not what's going on. In fact, we've been freed from slavery. The law damned us. We are unholy. And we were condemned to hell. So God became a man and he fulfilled the law. He was perfectly holy for us. He took the punishment for our sins upon his shoulders. And he went to that cross. He died in our place and he rose in our place. He sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts through his word so that we would believe that he is true God who became true man to save us. And there is freedom. We no longer are obligated by the law or else we'll be punished. We now are free to love God and love our neighbor. We are now free not to see God as somebody wants to enslave us, but as the one who's made us prince and princesses in his kingdom. And so we place ourselves under God saying, Lord, I understand you died for me. You rose for me. You ascended to heaven and you're ruling over creation for me. You planned out for me to be saved. And so I trust in you. When these crosses come, when these tumultuous times are very hard, 
I'm going to let you have the throne in my heart and I will trust you. Now, obviously, that means being good stewards with what he's put in our care. And for example, with COVID, for some people, good stewardship is getting the vaccine. For others, it might not be getting the vaccine due to medical problems and things like that. But there is a point where we submit to God. We say, Lord, you are ruling over all things. I will be a steward of what you've entrusted to me, and I will let your, your will reign in my heart. And so we're told, resist the devil and he will flee away from you. Now, people misunderstand this and they might think that what it's saying is resist the devil once and he's always gone in your life. Woohoo! No more problems. No. The devil comes like a like a roaring lion. He hides and when he sees his opportunity, he pounces. And once he's chased away, don't kid yourself, he'll be back another day. But the point here is when God is the one that you're placing yourself under, when you're in his care, when you're saying, thy will be done, O Lord. Yes, the devil's more powerful than you. But when you say, no, God's will will be done in my life, not yours. The devil will run away. He'll come back another day for an attack. But that time it's done. So are we being a Christian during being Christian during these tumultuous times? And the first way we can look at that is asking the question, are you submitting to God? Are you saying through all this, Lord, your will be done? Or are you panicking and saying my will? Or are we trusting in doctors more than we trust in God? And it gets good stewardship does mean we go to doctors. We also use our common sense. But do you trust God working through the doctor or do you trust the doctor? There lets us know which one we're truly submitting to. So are you submitting to God, the God who lived and died for you and has given you salvation? So he's given you everything you need to know. Yes, you can blindly trust in God. And he doesn't even ask you to blindly trust in him. He gives you the faith and then he gives you something so that you, uh, to strengthen that faith through which he created that faith. And that gets us to our next question. Are you using the tools that dispense God's grace? We call those tools the means of grace. Verse 8 tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Sinners, make hands clean and purify hearts, O double-minded. Now, a lot of Christians, again, get confused and they think, one time I make a, Lord, I'm coming to you. Or they think, if I got a song where my emotions are really whipped up and I just feel the Lord in my, that's not how we draw near to God. It is first and foremost through his word. Whether somebody is proclaiming it, explaining it, paraphrasing it, as long as it's in accordance with God's word in our ears, whether we're reading it, studying it, hearing it in meditation or hearing it preached to us. This is where God shows us that we are sinners. This is where God shows us where we're not submitting to him. This is where God shows us you are not acting like my child, like a Christian. You are once again acting like a slave of the devil. And this is where God then forgives us, washes our sins away. And this is where God nourishes and strengthens us. So we draw near to God. First of all, he has to send a messenger to us through whom the Holy Spirit enters our hearts through that messenger's message of God's salvation and then, with that new man, we come to God's word regularly in its various forms, and, and it nourishes our new man so that we are kept strong to submit to God and to resist the devil and even share that. Now, there's, 
we call them the means of grace, which is the tools that God gives grace. And the common thread in those is the word. Now, God's word is the primary means of grace. But we combine that word with water in the baptismal font, right? And when we baptize somebody, God's Holy Spirit is sealed in their heart. In the case of children, that's often where he is creating faith. In an adult, it's usually they've heard the word first, the faith is there, and and we're confirming it. Now, baptism is a one-time thing. And so we often forget that it has a daily impact on us. But when we're baptized, that new man, if faith is created, is, is, is sealed in our hearts. And if faith is already there, that new man is strengthened and confirmed in that heart. But every day that new man has been empowered by baptism, which is God's word combined with an earthly element, water. And that new man is, is strengthened to take our sinful nature every day and put him in a headlock and start drowning him in God's law. No, not your will will not be done. If I let your will be done, I will be submitting to Satan and not submitting to God. Now, we also combine that word with bread and wine. Now, using the words of Christ, this is my body, this is my blood. And we literally get to eat or forgiveness, the nourishment for our soul. As he assures us, we do receive his body and blood in a miraculous way that defies science and human understanding. So when we get that, we're also nourished and that forgiveness is confirmed in us. So we're told sinners make hands clean and purify hearts, O double-minded. Now we often translate this, make your hands clean or make your hearts, but there's no definite article there. So how do you make your hands clean? Well, you come to that word and, and, and brothers and sisters in Christ assure you of forgiveness when they're proclaiming the word. And then you get to make other people's hands clean by proclaiming the word. Now, we want to recognize in scripture, usually hands means our work, the things we do. So that we're not working for Satan, glorifying him in selfishness during these tumultuous times, putting our own needs first. Rather, we're sharing with others uh, the forgiveness of sins and, and their works become clean and they assure us of the forgiveness of sins because we do have that sinful nature and ours become our works become clean he also says purify hearts O double-minded why does he call us double-minded because before we are brought to faith we only have a sinful nature he's a slave to the devil and he or she is going straight to hell end of discussion when the Holy Spirit enters our heart, he gives birth to a new man. So we're like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And even in tumultuous times with things like COVID, we can fight, we can have selfish thoughts. Oh, I'm staying away. I'm, I'm building a, a, a storm shelter and I'm hermetically sealing it in my basement and I ain't coming out for two years. That would be very selfish. But we can also be like Martin Luther, who when the plague hit uh, his hometown there where, where, where uh, he lived, He chose to stay and actually expose himself to share God's love with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that kind of selflessness only comes from being in the word. And while our sinful nature might say, pack your bags and get out of here. Jesus's blood washes the heart and washes those thoughts away. So this is also cleaning our thoughts. And when we share with others the good news of salvation, we are cleansing their thoughts as well. So are you being a Christian during these tumultuous times? Are you submitting to God? And the only way we really can do that is to answer the second question. Are you using the tools that dispense God's grace? Because it's only there that our new man is, is created, strengthened and empowered to stand up to that slave of the devil, and once we're freeze the devil's puppet, our sinful nature. Next, verse 9 says, Endure hardships, mourn and cry, turn your laughter into mourning and your joy into sorrow. 
And then verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, there's different ways it gets translated, but really endure hardships is saying when you've got the cross, don't sit there whining about it. Oh, why is God doing this to me? I don't deserve this. I gave, I gave extra money in the offering plate. I'm entitled to something better. Enduring hardships recognizes God has allowed this to happen. And yeah, it's miserable. But he has a plan. It might be the conversion of my neighbor. It might be to strengthen my faith. It might be both. It usually is. Mourn and cry. That's not saying that we have to live in this world like, oh, I absolutely hate this world and I'm utterly miserable. It's saying, don't find your enjoyment exclusively and purely in the things of this world. God subjected this world to decay so that we would know this is not where we want to be. We want to be in paradise in the perfect world with God. So here it's not saying don't ever laugh as if Christians have to run around being awful people. But, you know, the world has a sense of humor that is usually very against God's will, those dirty jokes and stuff that we know we shouldn't tell, that we especially laugh at. Turn your laughter into mourning and your joy into sorrow. What he's talking about here is repentance. And the Greek word for repentance is not used in this text. Again, he is being descriptive He's in, in, in this text. But the, the Greek word metanomoio, it means to have a change of mind. And that only comes from being in those means of grace, in, in God's tools through which he dispenses grace. Because the true change of mind isn't, well, I got trouble for this and now I'm going to hell. Or now I got to deal with the consequences. So now I'm sorry because of the results or because of the guilt. True biblical repentance begins when God's tools for dispensing grace are brought to us and he creates that new person. We suddenly realize, oh, it's a loving God who saved me that I sin against. I don't want to sin against him anymore. And it changes our view. Instead of saying, you know, the things of this world, missing being in God's word so I can go skiing and hunting and fishing and camping and watching football games. Yeah, those things, they can be done in good stewardship. But I got to recognize that I want to be around those means of grace and I want to be empowered. This is a God that loves me. He's freed me. And so it thinks totally different about sin. And, and it says, I don't want to sin. And it wrestles with that sinful nature. It'll come to those tools God used to dispense its grace to be empowered, to, to hold that sinful nature down and not let it get its way. But it, when it fails and the sinful nature get, does get its way, it also trusts it's forgiven. So biblical repentance is a complete change of mind about the being in this world and about the way we view sin and about the way we, we view God and his love. So yes, we mourn over our sin. We mourn over brothers and sisters who are not becoming Christians. So we repent. And verse 10 shows that humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This isn't just saying, well, I better act like I'm humble, like God's above me. It's truly recognizing, Lord, every day I have that sinful nature. And what I deserve is hell. That's repentance. But God lifts you up by pouring the blood of his son upon you and saying, I've given you that new person. I, I've washed your sin away and I've just nourished him again. So we can't truly repent until we come to the word to hear of our sins, but we can't truly even care about those until we know that we have a savior and we are saved. So are you, are you being Christian during these tumultuous times? Are we repenting of the times we've demanded things from others and maybe completely not been loving them or seeing God's will with them? 
Are we submitting to God or are we submitting to other things and making them be God and not saying, you know, Lord, your will be done. And the only way to do that is if we're using the tools God uses to dispense his grace. And once we're using those, are we repenting? Because we can only repent when we know we have a savior and when we have seen that we need a savior. And so our text continues. Brothers, do not continue bad-mouthing each other. He who keeps on bad-mouthing his brother or he who keeps on judging his brother keeps on bad-mouthing the law and he keeps on judging the law. Now, if you continue judging the law, then you are not a doer of the law, but rather are a judge. The law demands, the law demands that we love God 100% and that we love our neighbor as ourselves 100%. Now, we're pretty good at looking out for ourselves, but to love our neighbor, that means we'll look out for them as well as we look out for ourselves. And when we don't, we're told you're judging the law. How can that be? Well, it's really simple. Again, you take the summary of the law. Love uh, The second table, love your neighbor as yourself. If I'm angry at my neighbor, you are wearing a mask. You're not trusting in God. You aren't wearing a mask. You're not trusting God. How dare you get vaccinated because of these purposes? Or how dare you not get vaccinated? When we're not loving, if we're angry at somebody, when we're mad because they're not of our political viewpoints, especially when we get to the point where we're so disgusted that we can't forgive them for anything, who are we really judging? We're saying, God, your law is not fair. And we've got to understand something else here. There is a thing where when we see a brother or sister in Christ stuck in a sin, we're not judging them if we go up to them and say, this sin is clearly getting first place in your heart. We're judging them and we say, therefore, you deserve to burn in hell and I want you to be there. Then we're taking the place of the ultimate judge, aren't we? Jesus uses the parable where the man was forgiven several years wages. And then he goes out and finds a man who owed him a couple of months wages and he starts choking him saying, you pay back what you owe me. Now, if I'd been forgiven several years wages and somebody came up to me and said, I'm sorry, I can't pay you three months. I'd be like, you know what? I just got off three years. I can afford to forgive you. Go in peace. But, but see, that's what happens when we're forgiven by Christ. God's law shows us holiness. We don't turn around and say, Lord, this person deserves to burn in hell and that person deserves to burn in hell. We, want, we say, Lord, help me be an instrument to share your word, your salvation, your forgiveness, so that they don't burn in hell. But we're warned in verse 12, only one is the lawgiver and judge who's able to save and utterly destroy. Yet who are you who keeps on judging your neighbor? Jesus is the judge because he died for the world. And it's simply, did you believe in me or didn't you? Now, we will drive the Holy Spirit out of our heart and lose our faith if we let something have equal place in our hearts or a higher place than God, which is why we submit to God, right? But Jesus is the one who gave the law, not you and I. We can't sit there and say God's law is wrong to say this or that. It's true holiness. And again, God offers forgiveness to all. So why would we judge our neighbor? Her question after being empowered by God's tools to dispense grace is, are you showing your neighbor Christ's love? And that might mean wearing a mask when we don't want to, not wearing a mask when we want to. It might mean getting vaccinated. It might mean not getting vaccinated. It might mean when they're screaming, I hate these people of blank political party, that you show them love even though you're the one that, that they don't, might not even realize they're condemning. 
brothers and sisters in Christ. Our text says we are double-minded. We have a sinful nature, and during tumultuous times, it can be real easy to trust the politicians or the news people reporter, put a doctor who may very well be right, but forget that God is working behind that doctor and elevate them above God. That's why we need a Savior. But once we have that Savior, once God has dispensed His grace to us, then we constantly come to that word and have it dispensed. And so, are you being Christian during these tumultuous times? Certainly every one of us have had times when we failed, if nothing in our thoughts. That's why we're grateful that Jesus washes our sins away. And therefore, we are empowered to submit to God. And therefore, we have been empowered to come and use those tools that God uses to dispense his grace. And we're happy to dispense it to others because we're never going to run out of God's grace. And therefore, we are happy to repent because we've been freed from the devil's slavery. And therefore, we are happy to show our neighbor Christ's love, especially by showing them the forgiveness that Christ has shown us. Amen. Now may the Lord our God be with us just as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us or abandon us. May he turn our hearts to walk with him and in all his ways. Amen.